Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. I appreciate the opportunity, though, to be able to share God's Word with you this morning because I believe that every time we gather together as believers, as a body, and as we gather together just as individuals, God has something to say to us. You believe that? I hope so. I hope as we sang a while ago that we meant what we were singing. Because we're not promised what? Tomorrow. All we have is today. So today I want to share with you from God's Word something I believe is very important that, that He laid on my heart that I believe will help all of us to stay focused in the times that we live in. Now, there's a question that I hear a lot lately, and the question is, is basically this. What is it that defines who I am? What is it that defines my life? I came across something the other day, and I have to share it with you. Uh, the question was asked, what are the things that have defined your life? And this one person was sharing what had happened as, as a child, the things that his parents had told him. So here's what he said. I want you to listen to these, see if any of these apply. Those of you who are a little closer to my age, these things will ring a bell, I guarantee you. He said that he learned a lot of things from his parents that defined him in life. He said, my parents taught me about prayer. You better pray, that comes out of the carpet. My parents taught me about logic. If you fall off that swing and break your leg, you're not going to the store with me. They taught me about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Ever heard that one? Anticipation. My parents taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. They taught me about humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. Think about that. And they taught me about justice. One day you will have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. When we gathered together for Thanksgiving this past week, many of us got to spend time with family. And when we spend time with family, we spend a lot of time talking about memories and things that we've done together, things that are funny, things maybe that are tough, maybe things that are sad, maybe things that are happy, whatever it may be. But when we spend time looking back at the past, we reflect on things that we believe have shaped our lives. And many of those have. But I believe God's Word says to us today, there are certain things that shape every one of our lives. The question this morning is, what defines you? I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And I want us to understand that as we look at this question, what defines you, we need to understand that these things that we're going to look at will determine where we go, who we become, and who we take with us. I want you to think about that. Where we go, who we become, and who we take with us. We're going to look at Acts chapter 9 this morning, probably at a familiar chapter, about a guy named Paul, but he's referred to as Saul here because this is Saul, Paul's Damascus Road experience. You may remember that, that Paul... His name was Saul first, and he was a very tough, very evil man. 
His goal in life was to destroy what we know as the church today. In this time that we're going to read, the Christians were referred to as the way. It was considered a, a movement, okay? It was a bunch of radical people who were following this guy named Jesus and Saul, who was a leader in the church, if you will, he was a strong, devout Jew. His goal was to destroy and get rid of the way. He was responsible for the stoning of Stephen. He was responsible for Jews being taken prisoner, put in jail, in prison for following Christ. And Paul has an experience that we're going to read that changes, that defined him. And even though it's a dramatic experience, I want you to understand that every experience is not like this. But the principles that we see, the elements that we're going to look at this morning, are the elements that still define who we are. They define where we go. They define who we become and they define who we take with us. And I want you to see that. And here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to read a few verses and talk about that. So we're going to break it up into some chunks this morning. The first section is found in chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And I want you to look at this and understand. Just listen for a second and let God speak to your heart. It says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, remember, these are Christians now. These are Christians. If any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Now I want us to stop there and look at something extremely important here this morning. And understand that the first element that defines us is the same thing that defines Saul right here. And that is very simply his call. Do you realize that God has extended a call to every one of us? Every one of us sitting in this room and watching online this morning needs to understand that even though it wasn't a call exactly like this, there may not have been a light from heaven, if you will, but God has extended a call to every one of us. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. My Bible tells me that God has extended a call to every one of us. And not just that, that he wants all men to be saved. 1 Timothy, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, God who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let's establish the fact here that God has extended a call to everyone. But I hear a lot of people today say, well... No, nah, that doesn't apply. That's just back then. It really, you know, really, there's, yeah, you really can't tell today. Well, I want to show you a couple of scriptures that, that draw this out for us this morning. The first one is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. 
See, here's what it tells us. It tells us that God has revealed himself even in nature. Listen to this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. You see, God is a God of order. God has created this world. And it doesn't take much to walk outside in nature to look around and realize there's something bigger than you or me. I don't care who it is. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how smart they are. If they just stop for a second and look around, they're going to realize there's something bigger than you and me. God's Word makes it very clear. God has revealed Himself even in nature. But not just that. God doesn't just leave it out there. God comes to us. Revelation 3.20 says that He stands at the door of our heart and knocks. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. So I want us to understand that God has extended a call to everyone. But here's the problem. Even though God has extended a call that goes out to every single person that ever has lived and ever will live, he has revealed himself in nature. He knocks on the door of a heart. Do you know what? God gives us a choice whether we answer that call or not. You see, God's love is so great that he gives us a choice whether we answer the call or not. He doesn't force us because that wouldn't be love. God's love and God's grace, we can't even understand it, folks. We try to, but we can't even explain it. You see, there's another call that's going out that I see a lot today, and that's the call of power. See, there are a lot of people, man, they want to be the best at everything. Now, look, I'm competitive. All right, I love to win. My, Julie will tell you I, I would beat my grandmother at checkers, okay? I, I don't care. I want to win. But we're talking about real life here for a second, all right? There's a struggle for power out there, and there are people who get caught up, and they hear the call. That call for power to be number one, to be in charge, to be better. And you know what? We get so caught up in it that we run over people, that we forget that other people are just as important as us. And when we answer that call to power, we have to understand that we are telling God, hey, even though you're calling me, I want to be in charge. And God's word tells us he will not share, number one. God will not take second place. God is a jealous God. And if we decide that power is going to be what we go after, if we're going to answer that call, then we have to understand the consequences. Then we become God. The Bible tells us that we'll be separated from God forever if we don't have a relationship with Christ. But there's also a call to prosperity. I see this all the time today. We're coming up on that time of the year. Everybody's scrambling to get those things. We've got to buy those presents. We get more and more and more. There is such a need out there to have more. We get caught up in trying to be prosperous. And we compare ourselves to other people and say, well, I don't have as much as they have. There's that call to prosperity, to have more, to have enough. Somebody answer this question for me. What is enough? I've never been able to get the answer. What is enough? You see, that's the danger when we answer this call. It's everywhere. It's never enough. 
And when we become focused on that, then we become focused on us and things, and we lose sight of what's real in life. You see, God's call is for purpose. I hear people all the time say, I, I want to know my purpose in life. You will never know your purpose in life until you answer God's call on your life. And his call is to salvation. He wants you and me to be a part of his family. He loves us so much that Jesus took my place and your place on the cross. And he's calling out, say, I trade places with you. But until we're willing to answer that call, it'll never make any difference. And you see, your call and my call, how we answer that, defines where we're going to spend eternity. I read the story the other day about a, a lady named, I wrote her name down, Donalyn Andrews. She lived in Tampa, Florida. And there was a contest through this travel agency that when you signed up for a trip, you could also win $10,000. Okay? I don't know about you, I have terrible luck. I never win any of those things. And, and I'm not kidding you, I, I had the worst luck. I played in the golf tournament a couple years ago, and they said, said that everybody who entered the golf tournament wins something. You got a ticket. Do you know that when that tournament was over and they finished the drawing, there was only one person in the room of about 250 that did not win a prize? Yep, that'd be me. So they gave me a car wash. I mean, real. Listen, I never win anything like this. But there was a contest that if you read the fine print, you would figure it out. But nobody reads the fine print, right? Well, Donald and Andrews signed up for a trip, and she went into her computer, and she printed off the fine print that was seven pages, over 4,000 words long. And she started reading. And about the fourth page down, it says, this contest... Very simply, will go. the winner of this contest will very simply go to the first person who calls, acknowledging that they have read this fine print, call this number, and you win $10,000. She won $10,000 just because she read the fine print, and she picked up the phone, and she called. And the travel agency and the company that sponsored it said, never have they ever seen that. They, ex they were going to have this contest for a whole year. Because they said no one ever reads the fine print. No one ever pays attention to that. You know why I tell you that story this morning? It's because God has extended a call to every single person on this earth. But there are so many people walking around, they don't even hear the phone ringing. They don't even hear God. And do you know why they don't hear God? It's because there's so much other stuff going on. There's so many other calls going around. There's so many other things that are distracting us in life. We don't even answer the call. The saddest thing is that every single person that lives on this earth has the same opportunity. But many times they don't hear the call. Let me ask you this morning, have you answered the call? Because if you haven't, you don't need to pay attention to anything else I'm going to say. If there's never been a time you've accepted Christ, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, then that's the first thing you've got to do. You'll never be who God's called you to be. You will never be who God wants you to be defined to be, if you will, until you've answered that call. And that's what happened with Paul. Paul had to answer that call. 
But it was not just the call that defined him. It was something else. Now, I want us to skip. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 17. I want you to look with me in verse 17 and understand, not just the call, okay? That is the first element. The first element that defines you and me is the answer to the call. What call do we answer? But there's something else that defines us. In fact, it defines who we become. Our call defines where we're going to go. But this that Paul experienced, that we experience, will define who we become. Chapter 9, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with his Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately, notice that word, immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he? who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest. Remember? Do y'all remember what Paul was coming here to do? He was coming to get rid of the way, right? Verse 22 says, But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, I want to go on down to verse 26 because you know what happens. Verses 23, 24, and 25, the Jews were so angry at Paul, they wanted to kill him. So the disciples had to sneak him out of town and get him to Jerusalem. Isn't that ironic? Verse 26 says, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. They were scared of Paul. They knew his reputation. They knew who he was. Verse 27, but Barnabas, who is known as the encourager in God's word, took hold of him and brought him to the apostles, described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and he had taught with him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Not only our call defines us, but is our character that defines us. Now, what is, what is character? Character is who we are on the inside. And this scripture is not going to be up on the screen, but I want you to listen. This. As, as the children of Israel in the Old Testament decided they wanted a king, and they were arguing with God, God told Samuel this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. He said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our character is what's developed on the inside. Our character is who we become because of who we belong to. And today, too many times we worry about what's on the outside and we don't focus on what needs to be on the inside. When we answer the call, God begins to change us on the inside. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But you see, there's a problem that we face. There are other character traits that we go after. 
One of them I call the conqueror. The conqueror means I'm better than everybody else. I'm the one in charge. When at all costs, I am better than everyone else. It doesn't matter. I am going to be number one. You see, if we allow that to be the character that we go after, then that's who we become. We become more important than everybody else. We become the focus of our life. And as I look at that and I started thinking about this, I realized that if we're not careful, that can become an obsession. You see, we look at everybody else as inferior. Do you see that going around the world today? We probably don't have to look too far in our nation to realize that this character trait is being pursued by a lot of people. But there's another one, and I call it the careless character trait. I am not concerned about anybody else. I only care about me. I am not worried about what you do. I am going to take care of just myself. And it doesn't really matter what happens to you. It's all about me. Now, I know we don't see that anywhere, do we? Not in our nation especially. You see, too many times we become so focused on what's going to happen to me that we can't see the needs of others. We can't feel. I don't know about you, but I've noticed lately the thing that concerns me very much is a, a numbness, I guess is the best way to say it. We've become so numb to what's happening to people that, that, that it's almost like we can't feel anymore. Or we're scared to feel. Because we get worried about what happens to us. And as I look at those two traits, it makes it very obvious in God's Word that's not what we're supposed to be pursuing. You see, what happened to Paul was he decided that he was going to go after the character of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul, look at this, y'all. The guy who was killing Christians just a little while ago has turned around and said, Hey, it's all about Christ. And he was willing to risk his life. That's why they had to get him out of Damascus and take him to Jerusalem. His life was in danger. The very thing that he had started, the very thing that he had built, the very attitude that he had portrayed had been flipped around and he was now facing death because of what he had created. You see, that old character of being the conqueror and being careless was no longer going to be his life. Why? Because of his relationship with Christ. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, Paul says this, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Do you realize what that means? The very man who was willing to kill people because they believed something different than him, and he thought he was right, is now saying, you know what? If I lose my life, that's gain. My life is not worth anything unless it's in Christ. You see... His character was going to define who he was. His character was now built in Christ. 
You see, folks, here's the deal. You and me, we, we can't be who we want to be no matter how hard we try. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good you think you are. You will never measure up to what God has planned for your life unless you're in Christ. You'll never be who you're supposed to be unless you're in Christ because that's how he created us. And the reason I say that is because we all have this problem. We have a character flaw and that character flaw is sin. Now, if you don't believe you have that, then we need to talk, okay? Because every one of us have it. Every single one of us. That's why we have death in this world, because of sin. That's why we are separated from God, because of sin. That's why Jesus died. It was because of sin. We have a character flaw. And the only way we're going to be able to be who God has created us to be is if we take on the character of Christ. So the question we have to answer is, what am I putting in? Matthew 6, it's not going to be up here, you know it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We hear that, but do we really understand that? That means that I've got to put in the things of Christ first. Then there won't be room for those character flaws, if you will. You see, the reason that God convicts us of sin as, as believers, once you accept Christ, you don't stop making mistakes. We're not sin-free. That won't happen until we see Jesus again. But God is constantly trying to get those things out of our life so he can make us more like Christ. Billy Graham said this, When wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. So let me ask this morning, when people look at your life, what character do they see? Do they see the character of Christ? Or is it nothing but confusion? Can they tell a difference between me and my life and a person who does not know Christ? That's a question we should always have in front of us. Because as we look at God's word, we have to understand that the character that we develop, that is our choice. But it will decide who we become. You see, Paul had to answer the call. Paul had to decide what character he was going to take on. And I want you to see something else. I want you to go back to verse 7. I want to show you something else that Paul experienced that faces every one of us today. I want you to see something that happened here. It says the men who travel with him. Now again, I'm going backwards, all right? Paul's traveling on the road. He was just blinded by this light. He didn't know what's going on. And the men who travel with him stood speechless. They heard a voice but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. Though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Remember, we've already skipped and gone there. All right? And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. God even gave him specific instructions. And inquired the house of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Tarsus named Saul. 
For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Listen to what God said. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Look at verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. We must answer the call. We must decide the character that we take on. But we must decide the commission that we're going to live out in our life. Paul was given a commission. Now, what is a commission? Here's a definition for you. I wrote it down, okay, so I'm not making this up. An authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform a prescribed act, a charge. A commission is a charge that we are given to do something specific. Now, if we have any Southern Baptists sitting in here, we should know what the Great Commission is, right? It's not going to be on the screen. I'm going to read this just so we don't get confused. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We know this as the Great Commission. Jesus came up and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Listen, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. The Great Commission is our roadmap to our life. A commission is our roadmap. Every single one of us are following some sort of commission. The question is, which one is it? God makes it clear. Jesus said before he left this earth, here's what I'm asking you to do. The question is, is it the great commission? Or is it the great option? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't hardly hear this anymore. There are are people today that are so worried about what's going to happen to somebody physically, they're not doing anything about telling people about Jesus. Listen, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you. Not a single person on this earth is going to be able to stop you from dying. I don't care who wants to agree with you. You can argue with me to you. I don't care. The greatest doctors in the world, every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back, are eventually going to die. The problem is, the Great Commission tells us that we are to go. We are to tell people about Christ. As we are going is what that literally means. But we treat it like it's the great option. When we accept Christ as our Savior, He is also our Lord. And the word Lord means to be in charge. So I have to ask myself in my life, and I hope you'll do the same thing, If I'm not sharing the gospel, then who's in charge? Because God has already made it clear. What did I read at the very beginning? John 3, 16 and 1 Timothy 2, 4. We know what God's plan is. We know what his call. We know there's a call extended to everybody. But you know what? God sometimes uses us to extend that call. Too many times we spend time trying to fit the world into our comfort zone. 
well, you know, I may offend them. I may hurt their feelings. You might. But if somebody dies without Christ, is it worth it? Or I'm going to spend so much time trying to, trying to make new standards for people, and then I'm going to compare them. We, we spend time trying to make people meet our standards, and then we compare ourselves to them. That's not what the Great Commission is about. That is not the roadmap that God has given us. He has given us the Great Commission. The Bible tells us that our words and our actions have to line up. But here's where we miss it. If our words and our actions don't go together, then we miss the whole thing. Romans 10, 14, this is for you and for me. If you know Christ, this verse is for you. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And that word preacher is not talking about me. It's talking about every one of us who know Christ. It's talking about to proclaim, a proclaimer. How are people going to know that Jesus is the answer if we don't tell them? Folks, I, I get it. I, I can't stand here before you, nor can Brother Mac, nor anybody else and tell you, hey, we got a whole world figured out. We know exactly what's going to happen. But I will tell you this. I do know who's in control. God's Word still makes it clear. We've already talked about that. But he also tells us that we need to be about his business. We have a commission. We have a road map. And if we don't follow that, then we're being disobedient. Do you know that 95% of people who claim to be believers, and I'm not talking about Southern Baptists, I'm talking about Christians in general, people who claim to know Christ, 95% never, ever lead anybody to Christ. I'm sorry, y'all. But if we really believe something, if we're really passionate about it, if we really believe Jesus is who he says he is, then shouldn't we be telling people that? What's wrong with us? Why aren't we telling people, especially in the world and the time that we're living in? You can't stop. I can't stop. No one's going to be able to stop the things that are going on. There may be something new in a few months. I hate to break the news to you, but what if there's some kind of new virus? Or what if there's some new thing going on? Guess what? It's still not going to change the fact that God has given us the Great Commission. God has told us. I want to read something to you. This was a man who many years ago went to a Billy Graham crusade back in the 70s and for you teenagers yes that's back in the stone ages but I want to read this to you very quickly it says years ago when I was in the Billy Graham crusade team a businessman came forward one night and received Christ as his savior the next Sunday he went to church that he sometimes attended after the service he walked up to one of the leading elders in his church and said I was at the Billy Graham meeting last, night, last week out at the ballpark, and I went forward to receive Christ. The elder replied, I heard about it, and I'm delighted. The businessman said, how long, listen to this, how long have you and I been associated in business? The elder said, about 23 years. The man who had just accepted Christ said, have you known Christ as your Savior all that time? Yes, I have, the elder answered. And here's what he said, and let this ring home. 
Well, I don't remember you ever speaking to me about Christ during those years, the businessman said. I thought highly of you. In fact, I thought so highly of you that I felt if anyone could be as fine a man as you and not be a Christian, then I didn't have to be a Christian either. How indicting that someone could look at our life and not be able to tell the difference between us and the world. Paul tells us that we are to run in such a way as to win. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as that you may win. That is our commission. Not to win for ourselves, but to win other people to Christ. I want to ask you this morning, who are you taking with you? Do you know this morning where you're going to spend eternity? I hope so. And if you do, then who are you taking with you? Because I think that's going to be the saddest thing when we stand before Christ, if we stand by ourselves and we don't have anybody to take with us. Didn't say it was easy. Didn't say it's not going to cost. I want to read one more scripture. It's not going to be on the screen. Hebrews 9, 27. And as much as is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. You've probably heard that a lot. It's appointed to man once to die, right? And too many times we leave that there. Verse 28 says this, though. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear the second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. See, the Bible tells us that everybody's going to die once, but it's what we do with Christ that's going to make the difference. I want to ask you this morning. Are you following the commission? Or is it an option? You see, folks, and I wrote this down so that I can say it exactly like I want to say it. The God of this universe has called you. Have you answered? The opportunity that we have to have the character of Christ, what are you doing about it? And you have the commission. Who are you telling? I want you to think about that this morning because you see the call that you answer, the character that you choose, and the commission that you follow will define you. Your call will will determine where you go. Your character will determine who you will be and your commission will determine who you take with you where do you stand on that this morning that concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter 
at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.